Welcome to Two Cents FC. I'm your host, Amobi Okugo, back again with my guy, L. Each week, we'll be talking with individuals from around the soccer world, learning about their stories and getting their unfiltered thoughts and opinions. This week, we're joined by host and founder of She Knows Arsenal, Jessica Black. Uh, we'll be learning all about Jessica's journey as a Black woman in soccer media, her love for Arsenal, her Blue Wire deal, and more. Jessica, how are you doing today? I'm good. I can't complain. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm looking forward to it. Nah, thank you so much for taking the time. I saw, you know, L when L, you know, got you to agree on the podcast. I, I contemplated not even coming on because I know him being an Arsenal fan and I know you having an Arsenal podcast. I'm a Chelsea fan, so I just got to get that off my chest right now. Oh, boom. Yeah. So just had to say that. <laughs> um, but appreciate you coming on. And I know we start off with two truths and a cap. So, L, what you got? Yeah, so two truths in the cap. Um, Jessica, you'll tell us three facts about yourself. Two will be true. One will be a lie. You know, Moby and I have to guess what the lie is. Um, as Moby said offline, he's down bad right now. So <laughs> I'm down like into more. Miami. I'm down bad. <laughs> okay. So whenever, whenever you're ready. Hold on. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is so much pressure. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Okay, hold on. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, okay. So I'm 5'7. My favorite player is Robert Perez. And I've been to five Arsenal games in my life. So when you say games, do you mean like like when they came to the States or overseas? Nah, bro. Just games. <laughs> I'm trying. I, I need to come back. So I'm trying to get any hints I can. Nah, no problem. Um, I don't know how long she's been an Arsenal fan yet. So we'll get to that question later. So I can't use that one. Um, I mean, she says she knows Arsenal is the name of our show. So I think like. It's like at least at like at least you since youth days. So it's like five seven. That's like such a that's such like an average height. Like I am five seven. It's like a guy saying like uh, yeah I'm five ten. You know like I'm going with that's the lie. Yeah, I'm gonna that's, go with the height too. Yeah, the height's the lie. <laughs> well, I am five seven. So you got that wrong. Five seven. My favorite player is Robert Perez, um, and I. Okay, so the basically the lie was I've been to five Arsenal games. So, yeah. how many have you been to? Two. So two. two. Okay. I've only been to two. I mean, it's hard to get to them. Like you know what I mean. So, yeah. um, I'd like to go to more, but um, yeah, I've only been to two in my life. Like, you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. unfortunately, the Florida tour is canceled. So, yeah, I was definitely looking forward to that. But I feel like it might be a blessing in disguise. Like, everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. Their COVID cases are out of control, you know? So, I was just thinking to myself, like, how how will I make sure I don't get COVID? Like, and I'm like, if I'm thinking that, it's probably yeah. not. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? So, yes. yeah. Oh, respect. So uh, let's get right into it. Uh, Jessica, so when did you fall in love with soccer? 
Oh, I used to play, you know, so that's where it kind of started. Um, let me see. I may have a thingy right here. Let me see. Can you guys see that? Okay. Throwback. Yeah. Right for you. So you was right footed. Is that San Diego Surf Cup polo field? Yeah. yeah. Turn it up. Okay. What, what team did you play for? Um, Arsenal. <laughs> so that was the, the club team that I played for. Okay. So, um, but I started playing when I was like six. And so I went through like AYSO and stuff. And then I started to play club when I was like 12, maybe like somewhere around there. And so I was actually kind of like a late bloomer because like a lot of girls had started playing club when they were like eight or nine. Yeah. Um, but I kind of skipped a couple levels and I did quite good. So that's where I started to love soccer. But then like kind of my love for actually watching the game came more from just wanting to learn more about the game. You know, at that time, it was like almost only U.S. women and MLS. And then like some Mexican, uh, the Mexican league um, you could find. And then so I got, I wanted to see something else. Like I knew that there's something else out there and I found an Arsenal game. And then from there, it was like, I just love to watch. Like, you know what I mean? I know you guys have probably asked me about the Arsenal aspect in particular, but yeah, playing and then just wanting to learn more about the game. Okay, respect. So, because you're from SoCal, I, I gotta ask real quick: San Diego Surf Cup or Nomads Cup? Which one did you have more fun? Which one was better? So long ago. Oh gosh, I mean, probably Surf Cup, just because I know I went multiple times, and mm -hmm. the polo fields were nice, and going to San Diego was always like we always did a lot. So I don't know. Okay. Probably that one. Um, then, that's the one I can mostly like remember. You guys remember yeah. like that so long ago. <laughs> You know, you guys are testing my memory here as oh, well. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to age you or anything. I'm just, you know, asking because uh, being from California, these were some big tournaments. And then yeah. our biggest rivalry from a youth sports perspective, like because you play for Arsenal, uh, like great club, great youth club. But I know the Irvine Strikers was good. Uh, was it the Slammers FC? They were really yeah. good. I mean, they weren't really a, like a rival to us because they were so like – so the Slammers team that, that I played against had Kristen Press on it. Uh -huh. So, I mean, they weren't really our rivals because they were better than us. Like I can say that, like they were better than us, but there was two Arsenal teams in the club in our, in our age group. So they yeah. were actually our natural rivals because those girls actually lived like in the same area. I didn't actually live in, in Rancho. I lived somewhere else. So, okay. um, but they were on the same high school teams. And so there was more of a rivalry there. So I would say just the other Arsenal team that was in our age bracket was, um, was our rivals at the time. Okay, perfect. And last question before we get into this, how you became an Arsenal fan, because I'm still perplexed. Um, best uh, area in the States in terms of youth development for the women's game? SoCal, I know North Carolina get a lot of love. NorCal gets a lot of love. Texas, where are you ranking everyone? Unbiased or biased opinion? Well, I mean, when I was coming through, it was Southern California, like bar none. Like it just, mm -hmm. it just was. Like, you know what I mean? So, I mean – when I was coming through, I mean, well, Alex Morgan grew up down the street. Like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So like, that was like the level. I mean, but I would say now it's a little bit hard for me to gauge because I feel like it's more spread out. Like more people have a chance and the development of the women's game is, is more spread out. But I would say probably, I think Texas is quite good. Mm -hmm. I think Georgia is good as well. You know, they have good clubs like Top Hat. I know for sure is like a big club out there. But I still think Southern California has a good pool of players. But, um, yeah, I would say 
it's more spread out, but let's just say Southern California just because I'm here. Okay. Respect. That's a, that's a good answer. That's a safe answer. You know, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't want to like, you know, crap on anybody or anything. Huh. I just feel like Southern California has the best players, you know? Okay. Sounds good. I'm still, I'm, I'm going to go NorCal. We, we're a hidden gem when it comes to the, the women talent, but yeah, let's get into it. Cause I got to figure out, all right, when did you, uh, how did you become an Arsenal fan? You said you watched the one game and that, that that's kind of what did it. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, back in the day, it was like, um, you know, when you would be able to catch a game, you'd only be able to catch like the best teams that were playing. Like, you know what I mean? So back then, if you caught an EPL game here, it would probably be Manchester United or Arsenal. So the first game that I actually saw was Manchester United game. And um, Andy Cole and Dwight York were on the team. Um, Roy Keane, like it was that group. And so I actually liked them. I was like, oh, this this is a cool team. You know, I like them. Then the next weekend, caught an Arsenal game. And then I was just, I was, I was sold. Like I, you know, for, for somebody that's always been the only black person in their class, only black person on their team, like to see a team full of black players was so influential for me. And so I just fell in love, like from there on Riviera, Gilberto, um, Ashley Cole, Bergkamp, Will Tour, that whole team was just, was immense, you know? So that's pretty much where where it came from, but I have to be real, like no other girls like watch soccer, none. Like it was just me. I was like this weirdo. And like, till now I still feel like a weirdo. Like I have like a secret life where I'm like watching games and on this podcast and stuff. And like, nobody cares in my life. Like nobody (laughs) cares. Like, you know, so, but that's where it pretty much came from was just finding a team that I could identify with. And just, I stuck with it ever since. No, that's a great uh, story of representation because when you think of Arsenal, you know, unbiased, I'm biased. I'm a Chelsea fan, but when you think of Arsenal, everyone, like, when they say, like, they're Arsenal fans, it's because of that representation, at least from, you know, a black perspective or, you know, they say Arsenal's Africa's team. Um, so talk about that from the standpoint that you said growing up, you're the only black girl in school, you know, only the black girl on your team. And then now watching games, you didn't really have anyone to watch it with. So how did you feel like you were able to connect through, you know, being able to see people that look like you on the soccer field? Well, I mean, I think because in America, like the main sports that black people play are like basketball and football. So, and then you have even less, like women aren't really involved in sports like that. Like, like a lot of girls just stop playing sports after like 12, 13, like they just stop, Mm -hmm. you know? So being a black woman and then the only black people that I know play basketball and American football, it's kind of like, okay, I'm just out here on an Island by myself. But one thing that I had that I thank my parents for like to this day is us traveling when I was younger, because I had the experience of Arsenal and seeing Arsenal like on the screen, but I had the opportunity to like, go to London, to go to Paris, to go to places where black people did other things. You know, they Mm -hmm. had other interests that I had as well. And so seeing black people that were interested in soccer was so good for me. And even though they weren't my friends, I didn't feel as weird, but I can't even lie. Like it just, when you come back to America, I did feel alienated just a little bit, but at the same time, it was just something that I kind of dealt with because I mean, to be honest, 
soccer is my main thing. Like it's what I really love. So I just kind of dealt with it, but knowing that were, there were people like me that loved the sport and people like me that played it made it feel a little bit more like, okay, I'm just, I may be out here on my own, like in America, but there's somebody out there that understands what I, how I feel about the sport. If that kind of makes sense. No, that definitely makes sense. So if I'm hearing this correctly, so you went to London, I mean, obviously like for family vacation, did you end up catching a game? And like, what was your first Arsenal game that you went to? Well, so the first, when we were going to London and stuff, like we never really got to catch a game. Mm -hmm. I did get to like do a tour, you know, of Highbury and stuff like, you know, so it was that, but I never really got to see a game. The first game that I went to was Arsenal versus Brighton. Um, Unai Emery was still in charge at the time. So, and that was only a couple of years ago, Mm -hmm. you know, so it wasn't until I got older where I actually got to experience a game. But, you know, when you're walking like in London, you see like the flags and Arsenal and it's everywhere. And then you see like the other teams too are represented. And then you go to Barcelona and you see all the stuff from, you know, their team. And so it just felt more tangible when I was in Europe and it made yeah. me feel like more like, okay, I'm, I'm not crazy. Like other people care about this, not just me. <laughs> no, respect. So it was just a coincidence that your club team was named Arsenal. It wasn't like, Oh, Arsenal. I'm going to try. No, it was just a coincidence. I played for quite a few teams. Okay. Some of them didn't have anything to do with it, but just the last team that I played on before I went to college was Arsenal. You okay. know? And you brought up a great point about, you know, you know, women, you know, around 13 to 15 years old, they tend to stop playing. I want to ask you, because there's been a lot of, you know, different people trying to figure out why that is. I know there's an organization, one of our previous guests talked about, uh, Sarah, shout out to Sarah. Um, What would be your answer in terms of helping keep women in that, in the sport, you know, past, you know, 15? Or Hmm. sorry, solution. That's, it's, it's a tough one because I feel like girls feel maybe pressure to be more I don't know if I want to get like that deep but it feels like you almost have to be more um feminine or acceptable to the opposite sex you know what I mean so Mm -hmm. that girls start to want to wear makeup they start to want to be more have have boyfriends and and have that kind of social aspect to their lives and i don't think that that necessarily is in alignment with being a high performing athlete it does you don't really see that you know girls that play sports up to a certain level it's it's your job you know maybe it's not as attractive to men to be somebody that is so invested in your sport so i think your priorities change because you want to fit in Mm-hmm. So you kind of give that up, you know, and I think your family and your friends allow you to because, you know, society is like women are supposed to be doing this and it's OK for men to be really involved in sports. But I don't really see I mean, now there's a lot more representation of women going are being high performance athletes and spending more time and being more involved in their sport. But I think even like back then, it was just more like it's fine for you to give that up now. Like now it's more about prom. And I remember being on club teams and girls missing games because they were going to prom. You know what I mean? It was like that. And I never missed any games to go to prom, but I just think your priorities change. And then you start to think like, do I want to do that in college? Because in in college, it's more of a job. Like, you know, so I think for women, your priorities start to change and it becomes almost less acceptable to be so invested in sports because it's not feminine and it's not what women do. 
No, that's great insight and uh, appreciate you sharing. And um, like you alluded to, it, it's deeper than just like surface level. So, um, yeah, I'm like, I, you know, I don't, I don't want, you know, people to be like, oh, it's like, it's this, it is kind of like a big thing. Cause I just feel like it, there's such good pathways. And one thing being on a team and playing, well, playing sports in general gives you stability. It gives you responsibility. It, I think it makes you a better person. Um, as you play in a team sport, you're, you learn how to deal with different people and and be a good friend and and to lead and be a you know a leader and stuff like that. And it just it gives you even a pathway to like scholarships and and things for school that maybe you don't have an opportunity to have in other in other ways. So I do think we should push girls to be more interested in sports if that's what they really want and allow them to uh, let that blossom and not place like social pressures on them to give it up because women are supposed to be a certain way. You know, I think that would help, you know? No, that's great insight. And I I love how you shared, you know, how sports helped you. So uh, like taking it back a little bit, like give us your origin story. I know offline you talked about you, you lived in Atlanta, you're from SoCal, uh, you went to Georgia state. Um, Give us like the, the rundown to like how you got to where you are now. You got a wonderful podcast. You got an amazing platform. Um, but there's some context behind that that we'd love to know. Oh, man, it's a bumpy road. I didn't know we were going to go into all of this. So I'm a pretty open book. Like, I, I don't claim to be like um, I'm the type of person that I'm open because if anybody feels um, like they have to have a straight path to where they want to be, I'm the example of that not having that's not true. You don't have mm-hmm. to be that right. You know, so I mean, played growing up, but when I got to the point where I wanted to go to college, I actually wanted to quit, you know, because I didn't want, I actually, I love the sport still, but I wanted to have a different experience. Like I really wanted to go to an HBCU. I wanted to go to Howard. That's what I really wanted. Um, I didn't really want, I wanted to have just a different experience of doing something outside because I have other interests as well. Even though soccer was the main thing, I just kind of feel like leave on a high, you know, and just try to do something else, just pivot. But my dad was kind of like, well, why do we pay for you to do all this club soccer if you're not going to play in, in college? So I was like, well, maybe I can have both experiences. Let's see what, what I can do. And most of the, you know, the programs for HBCUs weren't really able to give you a scholarship. And that's really what I wanted. If I was, was like, if I'm going to play soccer in college, I want a scholarship. So I ended up choosing Georgia State because really I wanted to be around black people. I've grown up my like my whole entire life like again, it was just me, the only black person in the class, only black person around. So I wanted to be um, like in and around people that look like me. So George, chose Georgia State right in the heart of downtown um, Atlanta. Lot, like for an HP, non-HBCU to have like almost like 30%, 40% black, you know, African-Americans like in the school, like that's a lot, you know? So <laughs> That's a lot. Without being yeah, that's a lot, you know, so I chose that and then they gave me a scholarship and, um, but I have to be honest, it wasn't a good experience. Like it really wasn't. It was, um, I would say at that point, I don't think it was as serious of a program as I feel like it should have been. And there were a lot of factors like in terms of professional, like I just didn't think the environment was great. It wasn't really about winning. It was popularity and politics and a lot of things that I didn't really want to be a part of my experience. And I actually ended up, you know, without getting too deep into it, I was only played for three years. Like I only played for three years and I ended up being like a non-athlete in my senior year. And I think 
at the time it it hurt because it wasn't of my own my own uh basically I got kicked off the team and it was for a good reason I can't really go into it it was because I stood up for myself but I lost my scholarship and at first it kind of hurt but at the same time I got to explore other things and that's when I started to explore fashion you know and my love for fashion and 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 fashion shows in particular kind of came out and I was able to explore that a little bit came back to California and went to fashion school and so I've always been a creative you know I was never a bookworm I always kind of got B's and C's like I never was like an A student or anything like that because I was a creative person in all creative classes I always got A's and so flew through fashion school did some, you know, um, window design. I did some fashion show production. I worked in retail. So I'm still in the point of my life where I'm trying to figure out what I want to be doing. And I never really like, I never really settled on something because something felt like it was missing. I couldn't really figure out what it was, but I knew from the moment I finished fashion school that I didn't want to work for anybody. I knew I wanted to have my own business, do something creative, have an outlet, something. And but in the meantime, I needed to make money. <laughs> you know what I mean? I could just be like yeah. sitting on my butt, you know. So I actually ended up um, applying to be a flight attendant because so I was thinking, OK, this might be a good in-betweener job while I figure out what I want to be doing. And I was a flight attendant for five years. So, you know, I was flight attendant in Atlanta, flight attendant in New York, flight attendant in L.A. So I did that. And while I did that, I was a web designer, I did branding, but still I couldn't figure out like what I wanted to do. And it was driving me crazy because, you know, when you're in your late twenties and you still don't really know what you want to be doing, people start asking you questions. You start to feel pressure. I just knew something wasn't right. And then fast forward a little bit more, you know, I'm doing some web design. I'm doing bits and bobs here and there. And, um, the pandemic hits and I'm like, okay, well, how am I going to figure out like the whole soccer thing? I'm not watching. I'm desperate. Like, and at that time I was like, I really love watching. And then, so I started seeing like AFTV, you know, and different podcasts, you know, and just exploring that a little bit. And I was like, well, maybe I can do something like that on the side. Like, let me, let me just kind of see what's going on. So I got on Twitter. I started putting my, my um, opinions out there. I started getting a little bit of a following. People started asking me to be on their podcast. And then I was like, well, maybe I'll just start my own, like just for fun to see. And it exploded. Like I'd never thought like She Knows Arsenal would be where it is now. And I think I've been doing it seriously for about three months, you know? So in the midst of me kind of trying to figure out what I want to be doing, still being unsatisfied with doing bits and bobs and doing some things that feel okay, but not exactly what, it, what I want to be doing it was the soccer piece was missing the whole time. Like I just needed to get back to that. But now I was able to add soccer with my creativity and that was the perfect mix for me. But it took me until my early thirties to figure that out. I'm 32 now, you know, so I just listened to myself, but I'm not going to lie. It's been very difficult trying to figure it out. Cause you know, when people find out you're 32 and you're just not figuring out what you want to do. They're like, you must've did something wrong. But ultimately, I could have settled on a job. I could have stayed a flight attendant for like ever, you know, or I could have just continued being a web designer forever, you know, but now I'm kind of doing what I want to be doing and I'm able to make money doing it as well. And I'm getting other opportunities to work with like LAFC and stuff. So it's been a tough road. I'm not going to lie, you know, because it's been confusing. But at the same time, 
I have my creativity and my soccer and it's meshed together for the perfect career for me, you know, and it took a while, but you know, if you're somebody that's like, wow, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Just let, just go with your gut and don't settle. Cause I don't believe in settling either. This is the best possible thing that could have happened for me. I know it's a long story, but no, yeah. it may no, be long, real, but it's really important. Real talk, though. Yeah, um, it's real talk. I feel like that's a lot of people's journeys. Um, me, even me personally, like, like you, I'm a creative as well, you know, branding and working UX. Um, but I didn't really figure out like my path and trajectory until maybe a few years ago. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to be 37 this year, you know? So yeah. like everybody's path kind of goes at its own right. pace. But like, once you hit that stride and like being older, you, you kind of have a, a different level of focus. So it allows you to kind of hit the ground, you know, a little harder and you tend to seek success a little sooner like you mentioned you know your show blew up like i want to know like what you did to like help your yeah. show blow up I'm, I'm interested in that as well yeah well the the main thing is um starting you know there's a lot of people that talk about wanting to start podcasts and wanting to have their own football show soccer show whatever i would just say stop talking about it and just start doing it you know the best possible thing you can do is get your face out there and yeah it's going to suck at first it, it is it's going to be you're going to cringe when you watch yourself you're going to be like wow is this what i really sound like but the reality is once you start then you can get you know you can troubleshoot and see what works and what doesn't work and for me just being consistent was really important in the beginning i i did shows I think for the last, it's like shows almost every single day, you know, and nice. for YouTube, it's like, well, I do live shows. So that's, mm -hmm. that's also important, but consistency can mean every Monday all the time, you know, yeah. just making sure you're, you're the people that are watching know you're going to be there at a certain time and a certain day and also connecting with the right people. I've had help, you know, and I may not say it all the time and I may not shout it, you know, from the rooftops or posted on Twitter all the time, but I'm in constant contact with the people that have helped me from the very beginning, in particular, like um, Elliot Smith from the Arsenal Vision podcast, you know, Sophie Nicolau from Highbury Squad, um, Harry Simeu from Chronicles of a Gooner. These people have all like helped me out like exponentially in, in my thing. So I would say connecting with people has really helped being consistent, being yourself, like don't copy other people or try to sound like anybody else and know what you're talking about and be passionate. Like if you care about your football team, you're probably already passionate. So let that show through what you're doing and um, be, be mindful that it's going to take time. My show, I think because I'm a black woman, you know, talking about something that most women aren't really in that space has given me a leg up. You know, that's why people watch me is because I'm different, but it's still going to take you a while. You know, it's still going to take time and effort and work, you know. So I would just say those are things that really help me out. And then just even investing in your podcast, getting, you know, better mics, better whatever you need to do, better graphics, you know, and just spend time on it, care about it, give it a little TLC. But um, yeah, those are things that really help me out, you know, and it's been working, you know, some of the stuff that's happened in the last couple of months, I just, I could have never imagined, you know, but I just, I wake up every day and I'm like, I know exactly what I would want to be doing and I'm good at it, you know, and I'm willing to get better, you know, and that's all I've ever really wanted in life. That's amazing. Yeah, for sure. And if you guys haven't listened to her podcast, she's hella knowledgeable. She knows what she's talking about. Like 
I used to watch AFTV pretty religiously, but like now I find myself watching, you know, She Knows Arsenal a little bit more because I feel like I feel like, I feel like it's less controversial. It's more based <laughs> on logic and you know, clear sound minds, not like emotion. <laughs> so I definitely yeah, find I your try show. to stay <laughs> a little bit relaxed. You know, there's a lot of things to be in up in arms about, but um yeah, I just try to be as calm as possible. Like Arsenal, being an Arsenal fan can be really stressful. I, yes. I know you probably don't really have that stress because, you know, Chelsea is a uh, money bags out here, you know, <laughs> just all these players and stuff. But it's stressful being an Arsenal fan. But I just try to be that that voice that can, like, calm you down just a little bit. It's going to be fine, guys, I promise. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so, obviously, you know, your show has done amazingly well. Can you talk about this deal with Blue Wire, like how that came about? You know, we have a lot of people that listen to our show that are in the industry in terms of uh, entertainment, whether it's audio, video, looking to grow their brand, looking to do partnerships. I'm kind of upset, you know, try to get you a two cent sports. There's, there's, we're not trying to tamper, but maybe, maybe <laughs> offline we could talk. But definitely want to know how this Blue Wire deal came about. And um, if you could talk about it, um, definitely want to, you know, intrigue. Well, one thing I do, uh, well, I'll start from just basically be the beginning is I have a list. My friend Io told me to do this. So shout out to Io. But he told me to write 300 things that I wanted to happen in, in my life. And it's difficult. Once you get to like 75, you start to just kind of feel like, okay, this is too much. One of the things that I wrote down is I wanted there to be a company that acquires my podcast and helps me get sponsorships and helps my my podcast grow. And um, that happened with Blue Wire. And, but that also came with the connections that I talked about earlier. Um, Elliot Smith from the Arsenal Vision podcast really helped me out with that. And um, I would say that that was the main thing. I had a meeting with them. They were interested in, in working with me and acquiring my podcast and, and helping it grow. And they really took a chance on me because at the, at the time, I really was, I'm not as big as some of the podcasts that are on there. Some of the podcasts that are on there have like, they're really, really big. And a lot of them are mostly audio. So I'm actually quite different to the podcasts that they have because I'm mostly video. But they took a chance on me because, you know, um, I'm different. And Elliot really like wasn't very pushy. He was really like, you need to get on this early. So um, basically, they helped me with the quality of my podcast. They help you get sponsorships. And it's also comes like it's a community aspect of it as well, where you have other podcasts, other sports podcasts that you can piggyback off of have more connections, try to bring them on your podcast and just have a community of people that have been there and done that. And you can kind of take what they can give, give you from that, you know? So it's, it's, it's still in the beginning phases. So I'm not going to say like, you know, I signed with them and then all of a sudden things, I still have to do more work, but what it has given me is a, is a platform to really grow if I'm willing to do the work. And again, like, I just keep reiterating that because anybody who's watching this, that's like, I want to do this. There's so, it's so much more work than just getting in front of the camera. That's it's true. like, there's so much more like after and before that you have to do. So I just want to keep bringing that back in that there's still work to do, but being with blue wires is really nice because I mostly for me, it's the community aspect of it. And then being able to upgrade the quality of my podcast. And they even give you like hints and stuff from the community on how to just get more viewers, like how to get more listeners, how to just upgrade things. And that's really, really good for a newbie like me because I've, it's less than a year since I've been doing this. So I don't claim to know everything. 
No, you, you hit the nail on the head in terms of like the amount of work that goes into a show. Uh, so shout out to Elk because he handles like the pre and post. <laughs> uh, I have a couple other podcasts. I didn't even know you had to have like a script for a show until you know I connected with him. A lot of work. It's good work if yeah. you you know if you're into what you're talking about, but. People think it's just about getting up there and talking. It's so <laughs> yeah. not like you have to do research and then it's like mm-hmm. get clips from it. And, you know, I mean, it's just different. And I do live shows. So it's a little bit like you just kind of go out there and just make it work. But for yeah. people that pre-record and stuff like you guys are doing, it is difficult because you have to go back and edit and do all this. So, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a lot of work. <laughs> also, shout out, shout out to Megan Reyes. That's homie. Friend of the show. Oh, yeah, yeah. So me and Megan have been talking like back and forth on Twitter and I swear like we're going to be friends like we've already talked about it we're going to be friends I've never met her before in real life we're going to meet each other in Vegas for the first time we have dogs that look almost identical like mm-hmm. she she just seems like such good people and like even her like initiative to try to get more women and diverse women involved in sports is something I can really identify with so yeah shout out to Megan and I can't wait to meet her in Vegas yeah so look out for the pictures of that. <laughs> for sure. Um, so so you mentioned, you know, getting into podcasting, you know, kind of building your own media company. I, I saw recently, you know, you trademarked She Knows Arsenal and stuff like that. So it's like you're, you know, you're, you're molding an empire, um, so to speak. Um, what challenges have you faced so far, like being a black woman in soccer media specifically, since it's so rare to see? Um, like how, how did you come how did you overcome any challenges that you may have faced well if I'm if I'm 100% honest I do feel like being a black woman has really helped me just because I'm so unique that I kind of that that's helped me grow quite fast I would say one of the challenges that I have had is just controlling my emotions when it comes to negative feedback. I want like that, that that's hard. It's difficult when you have people coming at you, like the, the more visible I become, the more, the more negativity has kind of come in as well. And um, it's difficult because I feel like some people are just want to say something negative just to say it. And it does hurt my feelings because I do try to put as much as I possibly can. I'm trying to do a good job and just to, see people just like say like, oh, this was a crap show. You don't know what you're talking about. Women should stay, you know, in the kitchen. Like this is why women shouldn't talk about football. That stuff hurts. Like it really, really does because you just want people to care about your opinion and um, and just take it as that. And I would say that's another aspect of it as well is as a woman, I almost feel like I have to almost be as – least sexy as possible. If I can say that, like, I don't want to show too much skin. I don't want to, cause I want people to take me serious. And I almost feel like I shouldn't have to do that, but you know how it is. If you, if you look a certain way, then people start taking you less serious, you know? So it's almost like this mind game where you have to like, okay, let me make sure I don't look to this. Like, let me make sure I'm all the way covered up. And, and like, I almost feel like in the beginning I had to like overdo it and try to be like overly smart and make sure I knew what I was talking about. So people didn't think I was just like some bimbo. Like, and I hate to say that was so real, you know? So between like the trolls and wanting so desperately for people to, um, um, 
accept me for my opinion and not just want to see how I look. You know, even like getting comments about the way I look almost makes me feel uncomfortable, even though it's like it's fine, you know, because it's not that I feel like people shouldn't be able to do that. But it's almost like, wow, are they only listening to me because I'm a woman and like they like the way I look or do they care about my opinion? So sometimes I do get in my head about that. Like, do people care about my opinion? And then I almost like go overboard, you know, trying to make sure that I sound a certain way or I'm like, my opinion is really good if that makes sense. So there's all these extra things that I have to kind of think about, but those have been the challenges and I'm still working through them. You know, I just got to the point where I don't apply or reply to everybody on Twitter. Like, you know what I mean? Like if people say things that are rude, I just try to ignore it, but I'm not even going to sit here and act like, Oh, I'm like this strong person and it doesn't get to me because it does. Like sometimes I'm just like, wow, do people just really go out of their way to try to like hurt my feelings? Like, do they not understand like I'm a person, you know? So yeah, those are the challenges that I face like every day. Like, yeah, that's so weird. Like I never really said that out loud, but yeah, those are some of the things that like really have um been been hard to deal with since I started. Man, use that black button liberally, like yeah. protect your peace at all, at all costs. For sure. Yeah, I try to like do the mute more because mm -hmm. if you they see that they're blocked for some reason, yeah, they're like, yeah, I got shy. to her because I'm blocked, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, no, that's God, true too. Yeah, that's, you know? Uh, it's tough, but, you know, we appreciate your honesty in that because, you know, everyone sees it from the outside looking in, you know, they see surface level, but they don't know, like, you know, the details and, you know, how, how it can affect somebody, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a tough conundrum, you know, like, like you said, and we can only just listen because, you know, I, I don't have to go through that like, like you do, but I have to worry about, oh, maybe I should wear this shirt versus that shirt versus all right, I want to talk about this subject and, you know, people judging off that is, is yeah, it's, it's really whack, but. Yeah, um, it's crazy. I mean, like even like just sidebar, like just the other day, like um, in the, in the chat box, like I was looking, cause you know, obviously I do like live shows and these guys are literally having a conversation and talking about the way I looked. And then the last comment before I blocked them and, and like kicked them out was what would you do to her? Like, you know what I mean? And it's just, yeah. I'm in the middle of talking about Arsenal and I see people in the chat box. It's like, throw you off your game a little bit, you know? And it's just like, is this it? Is this, is this really it? Like, you know, yeah. so yeah, it, it's a struggle, but um, nevertheless, like I am growing like a tougher skin, like, you know what I mean? So it doesn't, it's not every single day. Like I'm not sitting in a corner crying, but it does like kind of throw me off my game sometimes because i'm just like why can't you just be here for my opinion and not like no. make silly comments yeah. oh, that makes sense that's that's, yeah. that's 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 real um it's tough because you know, everyone has their own way of you know dealing with like that type of stuff and it's just it's just crazy to, like to actually hear it you know you see twitter people like have a lot of you got people that block people you got people that have a clapback energy like kd you got people that just um, but there's so many different ways to deal with it. And um, for you to share that, it's a, we appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Hope I didn't like throw off the mood. I know it's like so I serious, know. you know, but um, yeah, yeah, I we, just wanted we, to at least be real. Uh, it, <laughs> hey, this is a real podcast. Real <laughs> yeah, we we, we yeah. invite that. We invite that. Okay. Yeah. So getting back to, you know, the brand that you're building, like what, what is your grand vision for She Knows Arsenal as a brand and a company? I know you, you tweeted something the other day, like watch this space. I know you, so I think you got something oh, big yeah. coming. I don't know if you want to announce it here or not, but you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's nothing, it's nothing like I have something around the corner. It's just, I know what my 
I know what I'm working towards and I can, I'm putting the, the pieces in place to allow that to happen. Like she knows Arsenal is like my main thing because obviously I love Arsenal more than anything, but I don't know if people know, like I watch everybody. I watch almost every single Premier League game that happens. I watch the championship. I watch, you know, some La Liga, a lot of the Bundesliga. I watch a lot of um, different games, even the MLS, obviously, because I, I follow LAFC. So what I want to be able to do is not only talk about Arsenal, but talk about other things. And one of my strong suits is really scouting players, player profiles and tactics. So I have my own uh, channel that's separate from She Knows Arsenal. And one of the things I'm going to be doing um, soon is um, scouting videos, tactics, you know, things like that. And um, kind of growing another channel separate to She Knows Arsenal, where it's more just about football in general and, and growing that. So I hope to, you know, even have other podcasts that I'm producing that aren't necessarily just me, but are other people's podcasts, you know, so it's, I have a lot of things in the works, but I know I can get it done, but it's really, she knows Arsenal is the main thing and that's what people mostly know me for, but my company's name is actually Jessino Media, you know, and that they'll have different, you know, brands underneath it. I'm working on a podcast that's going to feature women in football. So kind of like what you guys have going, but just specifically for women and getting their stories and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I have a couple different things in the works, but the whole thing is just to take over the world. I mean, essentially, you know. Expansion, so. love it. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. We're definitely um, got to have you on um, for like our our premier Premier League, you know, preview or whatever, so you can drop some game on us. Yeah, um, I'm so excited for the new season. Like, I'm always really excited, but I'm really excited this time because I. I'm hoping that Arsenal are decent. Like, I just want to see good. You yeah, know, yeah, so. so you guys will fight for your open, probably, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> I think we're going to be good. I think we're going to be Real quick, good. favorite formation. Yeah, what's your favorite formation? Oh, so difficult. Okay, so I love a 4-3-3. Okay. Um, Respect. 4-3-3, but a Liverpool 4-3-3, not a Manchester City one. I okay. like the three destroyers in midfield and fullbacks – up high that's what i prefer and to like i really like the false i like the way liverpool plays i know they're going to switch from that i know that they're going to throw that in the bin probably because you know people have kind of found it out but i love that i like that so much so that's what i would say just a 4-3-3 but a liverpool one not a man city one where it's more positional and very strict positional play i really like the fullbacks up high and um, them more as the creators and then very high productive wing wing players like Mane and Salah. I loved watching them play. Hated playing against them. Loved watching them play. <laughs> no, I love it. I'm excited to see what you build out with this uh, this this platform of formation and breaking down film. Uh, yeah, but you mentioned supporters in, in us at Two Cent Sports. Um, yeah. You know, the black soccer community, black soccer media community is so small. Like we all got to stick together and support each other. So. No, okay. Definitely got a supporter in us, whether it don't matter what gang you were, or squad you with. Oh. We all, you know, we all we got, so we gotta gotta stick together. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you mentioned stuff with uh, LAFC. Can you talk a little bit more about that, like some of the work that you're doing with them? Yeah. So, I mean, the reality is Arsenal fans are everywhere, and so some of the best connections I've I've made are just from other Arsenal fans that have found me on like Twitter. So um, a guy named Jason, who is the producer of 110 Football, reached out to me, and he's an Arsenal fan, but he's also an LAFC fan and produces 
110 football, which is basically the, the online media portion of LAFC. So he reached out to me to do a couple of um, shows with them. That's why I actually was doing that earlier. And um, like it was like pre-match and post-match shows for, for LAFC. And um, it, it, it was such a good experience just because it's something that I really want to do in the future. I, I really do see myself as more of an entrepreneur and content creator just in general. But I would like to do some on-air stuff with maybe some bigger production companies in, in the future. You know, that's something I and it also helps me with my presentation and making sure that I, you know, enunciate and stuff like that. There's things that I've never done before, like being mic'd up and reading off of a prompter. So it was, it was a really good experience. I did a couple of shows with them and I had the opportunity to actually fly out to Austin to watch um, and do pre-match and post-match stuff for LAFC versus Austin FC. So it was very good opportunity. I mean, I couldn't, I can't thank Jason enough. And, you know, it just, it gave me another point that I can put like on my CV to say, like, I've done this before. So when I go out and try to get more jobs and I'm also working on trying to get an agent, you know, that as well, you know, then I can have that on my resume. Public service announcement. More, guys, I'm looking for an agent if yeah. you have one, you know, so yeah. So it was a really good experience and I had a really good time working with them. I mean, the quality of the production was so good. I mean, it's so different than like sitting with your laptop and just <laughs> talking to a screen, you know, I mean, like high, high quality cameras, mics, whole crew, being able to travel. I mean, it was, it was a dream. And for it to happen so early on in my career, just um, kind of validated, like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, when things start to happen quite quickly, you're like, okay, this is probably what's right. Like, you know what I mean? So yeah. And it was another one of the things, one of the things on my 300 things list, you know, that I mentioned earlier was to, um, be able to do pre-match and post-match stuff for LAFC, um, you know, and be able to travel and do it, you know? So I had got to knock that off my list as well. Yeah, real quick, that 300 things I would want to do in my life, add that to your personal development journey if you're listening right now. I, I wrote that down. I think that's a game changer. And I also it's have It's actually from question. Steve Harvey as well. Like, okay. if you just look up Steve Harvey 300 things, I think it'll come up and he explains why you do it. Um, I'm big into, like, manifestation and speaking right. into existence. And if you've never tried it, you think it's, it's, it's hoodoo or whatever, just try it. It really does work, like... It really does. Like, and I, I never thought it would, you know, so look that up. Oh, facts. Respect. And then real quick, where do you, how do you rank Austin FC Stadium? Because you had a chance to explore. Oh, gosh, it's so nice. It's so nice. It's so nice. Like, it's, it's, it's nicer than the bank. Wow. I, it is. It is. It's, okay. I mean, it's a state-of-the-art stadium. They did a really good job with it. I mean, so many, like, little um, shops and, like, nice eateries and stuff like that. And, um, it, I mean, it's green. Green's not my favorite color, you know, but it looked really, really nice. And it was a really nice time. And, you know, um, I don't know about you guys, but being in America sometimes and like you follow teams that are overseas, maybe sometimes you watch the MLS and you're like, oh, I don't want to watch this. Like, you know what I mean? But the MLS is getting so much better. And so I would just say, like anybody who lives in America that follows football overseas, give the MLS a chance. It's very entertaining. There's good players and they're really updating like the facilities, everything. So I loved it. Austin FC, that that stadium, I think it's like the what is it, the Q2 stadium? So yeah, so Q2 nice. stadium. Yeah, yeah it's not, so, a, so not nice. a bad seat in the stadium. It's a great yeah, stadium. I loved it. Yeah, I need to tap in. Yeah. 
So, uh, El, I know you had a question um, about. Um, I'm so, not yeah. familiar with um, the sororities. So, so, you guys can't see it, but if you watch Jess's show, you will notice in the background she has a Delta Sigma Theta sign. Um, and if you're not familiar with Delta Sigma Theta, they are, you know, historically black Greek organization, part of the Divine Nine. Um, and so you being a member of, of the Divine, what are some things we can do as well? I'm not. So oh. that's what I was gonna tell you guys. Oh, I'm actually snap. I'm actually not. So actually, so I hate to say this, but I never got a chance to to pledge. So this is actually this is actually my mom's. My mom oh. is a Delta. Yeah, my mom is a Delta and she's a huge Delta. And it's one of the things that I have to say that I wish I had done. You, you know? can still do it, right? Though you can like, I, I like, can, but I'm at the point now where I know what it would take for me to have to do it. And I have to set aside a lot of time. And right mm -hmm. now I'm really focused on my career. Um, my mom is a huge Delta and the chapter was actually suspended when I was at Georgia state, but I still could have like done it my senior year and I didn't sidebar you guys. I didn't have good enough grades. So mm -hmm. again, I told you guys, I'm not a bookworm. I was never the one, like I didn't study, but I have to say that one thing was missing out on something because you didn't study and you kind of just effed it off that, that, that's something I do regret, but that's actually, that's actually my mom's. So I'm actually at my, um, my parents' house right now. So another thing that you guys don't know about me. So everybody that's like, whose office is this? Why are you here? So when the pandemic hit, I have a property that's in Inglewood. That's where I actually live. And when the pandemic hit, I have, so I run out the front and I live in the back. And when the pandemic hit, they had the rent freeze. So my uh, tenants up front stopped paying me. So I went through almost, almost a year without getting rent. And that was like a huge part of my, my income. So I ended up having to move out of my, my home and rent that out and do Airbnb. So my house is actually being Airbnb'd and it's, but it's been booked for a year. <laughs> it's been booked every month for a year. So I've actually just been stacking like yeah. this entire time. So I'm actually looking out to move out soon because now that my podcast is doing well and stuff, I'm like, cool. But I've actually been staying at home. And that's why I was telling you guys, like, it's been rough. You know, it's been rough. Like, I've had some real up and down moments with, you know, quitting my job at the airline, starting my own business, you know, the pandemic hitting having a new business, but knowing it's not the right thing, starting my podcast and now it's taking off and being in a position where I can move back into my house, feeling comfortable. But after going through all that time, I'm like, I feel good about myself. Whereas like, if you had probably interviewed me, which you wouldn't have, cause I would have been doing this maybe like two years ago, you'd see a totally different person, yeah. you know? So this is, so this, that's actually my mom's. And so my mom is a Delta. I wish I would have done it. Are you part of the nine or no? Um, no, my wife's her whole side of the family is all deltas um and kappas. I my dad's pledged, a kappa as well. I would have pledged alpha, but in college I had to work, so I had to go get a job, I had to pay rent. So I didn't I didn't have the the you know the full Do you wish you had done it? Like is it something you regret? Um I still think about it to this day, and I've considered, you know pledging grad chapter but like you you know it's it's a time commitment that i don't necessarily have at the moment um, um shout out to yogi yogi is a um 
from from Can I Kick It? He's on the Two Cent Sports Network. Um, he's the alpha. He's always telling me, "Oh, you ever thought about pledging?" Blah, blah, blah. So, <laughs> um, shout out to Yogi for dro- keep continuing to drop it in my ear. Um, but yeah, yeah there's tons of benefits to it, and I do have that that bit of like, yeah, I wish I had done it. But like, it was because I wasn't doing the right things, you know? So again, my story is all about bumps in the road. (laughs) I've had tons of them, but um, yeah, I would say anybody who wants to do it, do it if you can, you know, because my mom is very active and I know it gives her, it's, it gives her something that I wish I had, like that, that sister, that sisterhood, you know, the community aspect of it, they do such good things for the community. And so, yeah, I mean, I can't advocate from it from my own experience, but just watching my mom since I was born be a part of the sorority has been um, a very good experience. And my dad as well as a, as a Kappa, he's very um, active as well. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, we're not members of the divine line, but how dope would it be to bring that that vibe and that black college, those black college vibes you know, to American soccer. Like there's so many parallels that I think could be super dope. Um, Just the way that games are. And then, you know, kind of bringing in that black culture, that, that HBCU culture um, into games, um, I think can be a super dope kind of gateway to get people into the sport. Um, And so I have like a little theoretical, like exercise around that. Right. So based on colors, (laughs) which divine nine team, or which divine nine organization would support which team in MLS or NWSL? Oh, okay. Um, let's see. So we're doing only MLS or NWSL. It doesn't. Right. Right. Yeah, let's say that maybe the Atlanta United. I would say maybe Kappas. Read them, maybe that. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Fair enough. It's so difficult to say, you know. I didn't. I didn't pledge, so you guys are helping me out too. I'm. I'm trying to think because I'm like almost thinking like well, maybe from a color aspect that would work. So I, I would give. I would give LAFC the alphas. Black. And yeah, gold. you give. Yeah, black and gold. That's easy. Um, Orlando purple. So maybe Omegas, oh, right? Yeah. Um, blue. What are the blue teams? I don't even know what the blue teams are in the MLS now. Like KC, you got kids. KC, KC. SKC, New York, NYCFC. So yeah, I would say Um, KC as well. Yeah, so if they do it from a color aspect, you know, but I don't know if the city really adds up. You know what I mean? Because I'm thinking, like, wouldn't the city make sense, too? But I guess yeah. if you're saying Alphas plus LAFC, that sounds like a really good idea. That actually sounds right. And then if you do, like, Kappas and Deltas with um, Atlanta, that sounds right. You know, that makes yeah. sense. So if I could add those up, that, that would probably make the most sense to me. That's a really interesting idea, yeah. getting the, the culture of an HBCU and kind of, like, intertwining it with um, American soccer. You know, that'd be cool. I want, I wish people would get more involved with it. I know it's not the level that we're used to when you watch your Arsenals and your Chelsea's, but for somebody that used to be such a big soccer snob, like I really enjoy watching the MLS. You know, I really, really do. It's because it's, there's such good young talent there, you know, and a lot of the people that you're watching in that league will end up 
you know, in the English Premier League and stuff, you know. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That's true. Do you guys do you guys watch the MLS? Do yeah. you? I'm a yeah, yeah, fan. I'm like a I'm a soccer head, so I watch all I watch. Okay, good. Okay, good. Just making yeah, I'm, sure. Yeah, I'm an Atlanta United supporter. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, nice. I've been I've been nice. having a, a rough year. Yeah. Arsenal and Atlanta United is. <laughs> it's bad when all of your teams are doing bad at like the same time. You yeah. know, usually, I mean, LAFC was way better last season, and now they're not doing as good. So then you go through Arsenal coming in eighth to LAFC bombing. You know, so now I don't know what to do. But now they have an um, an NWSL team coming to L.A. Yeah. called yeah. Um, Angel City. Mm-hmm. So hopefully they're good, you know, because so. I need some team doing well. Yeah. <laughs> Angel City and AKA tying in the pink. There you go. Here. There you go. Oh, Bunch of yeah. when they score a goal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh you guys have a couple I, rapid fire questions. Yeah, right? Jessica, real quick, because you, yeah. you brought up some points before we get into the our next segment. Uh, big Arsenal fan. Um, yes. I'm not an Arsenal fan, but I do acknowledge like all they've done for their culture, and I do think they got robbed against Barcelona back in Champions League when Henry was supposed to get that. Um, if you had an Arsenal five-a-side squad, who are you picking? Oh my gosh, this is so difficult. Okay. Um, oh, gosh. Okay. Arsenal five-a-side. Okay. Um, let's say, let me just write it down real quick. I know Henri, Alexis, okay. Sesk. Um, let's do Soul and, oh, so difficult. Soul and Cole, maybe? Um, no goalkeeper. No, that's five aside. You don't need a goal. Yeah, no goalkeeper. So, Soul, okay, Campbell, and and Cole, Sesk, Henri, and Alexis. I think. Okay. Off and the top of my head, without even, having to. Because really your favorite player is Perez. So that's, yeah, but that's crazy. the reason why is because I just think Alexis would be devastating in a five aside. Uh-huh. I just think he'd be devastating. I mean, prime Alexis, not the Alexis yeah. that we see now. And you have to choose Henri for obvious reasons. Yeah. Sesk is, I mean, you could pick Ozil, but I mean, if you have the choice between Ozil and Sesk, you always pick Sesk, right? Yeah. And then Cole, because he's a very two-way player, he can also add a little bit of defense, and Sol Campbell is Sol yeah. Campbell. You pick Chelsea legend Cole. I pick, you know, <laughs> Ashley Cole that came from our academy. That's who I chose. <laughs> That's what I chose. Cashly. All, right. <laughs> All right. And you know, you mentioned your your passion of what's fashion. All right. Favorite fashion football partnership. Oh, it's I mean, it's gotta be the the last PSG kit that came out in collaboration with Jordan, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um the the kits that they come out with are crazy no, you guys have lovely. seen the the, the, newest, the newest psg one? kit yeah. yeah um take all my money but i would say i mean i really did like the um, i think it was i did like well i would say that's my favorite one because you never would have thought like you would like purple and pink together but i thought once they had them on that kit was so nice that collaboration was really really nice and i have to say all of psg stuff is really really cute like 
they even like last season, I thought that they wore like these white puffy jackets that they wore like when they were coming to the the pitch. And I saw Kurzawa, he had his on and he had like that clear Louis Vuitton, like the one that the metallic one for like his, his stuff that he had, like almost like a purse. I was like, that is so nice. Like their stuff is so nice, but it makes sense because obviously like they're in Paris, so they have to have the nicest stuff. But I would say the collaboration with Jordan, I just, that kit was, it was so nice. They do a great job of making gear and merch that you can wear like outside the pitch. So I think. Yeah. yeah. But I think a lot of people are doing that now. Yeah. Yeah. They're doing that now. I mean, if you look at the way that the kits have changed in the last couple of years, you can tell that they want merch to be more accessible to people that don't, maybe don't really follow the teams as much. I would like to say that Arsenal, we tend to have really nice kits. Maybe Chelsea can, you know, can, can get better at that. We're definitely winning. Yeah, we're we just, we're, you know, we're the fashion club, you know, we, we do yeah. win that battle. Let us have something. Yeah. And then <laughs> last question, this is a little random, but um, you said you were a flight attendant. This is me just being curious. So is it good or not good to eat ice on a flight? Cause I heard that was like not good. And then secondly, um, this is, I don't know what airline you work for, if it was like one throughout your whole five-year career with uh, uh, as a flight attendant, favorite airline? I mean, this, I think it's fine. I worked for Delta and okay. I would say Delta is the, the best yeah. airline, yeah, you know? So um, yeah, yeah. Delta is uh, the best. Okay. Um, yeah, it just is, you know? Okay. Um, you know, if you live in Atlanta, you know that Atlanta yeah. uh, it's everywhere in Atlanta. So yeah. and. Um, I would say maybe stay away from the ice. Um, okay. <laughs> the coffee, always, it's just not my favorite. You know okay. what I mean? So, yeah, maybe just bring your own water and stuff. Wait, so, so what's this ice thing? I'm not, I'm not, it's, it's just this. Not, not I mean, to, I don't really, I don't really like it just because, you know, we have the little scoop and we're scooping it. And it's just, you know, it's just not my favorite. You know what I mean? It's not like getting it out of a machine where you take your, your cup and you do that. Like we're literally like scooping it and it's just not my favorite, you know? So I would just say, it's a little exposed. No. Yeah. yeah. I would say that's the good word. It's exposed to the elements. <laughs> so yeah, maybe not so much. Actually, I love, I mean, I actually like being on planes. I know that's weird. Some people don't like flying. I actually enjoy like the whole, the whole process of traveling from getting to the airport to getting on the plane and all that. I think I'm weird. That's the most stressful thing for me. Um, I don't know why people are so from, stressed out. From, I think the most stressful thing is getting to and through security. And then- well, If you, you follow know, the rules, it's not stressful. And getting to your flight. So I got, I mean, I got pre-checked now. So like, I, it's oh, a little smoother. Big, big but like trying to travel with kids is another yeah. Oh, yeah. at the same time, so. Yeah. No, I can't, I, I understand that. I definitely understand that. I guess I'm just, I just love it. Like I, I love it. I don't know why. Maybe I'm just weird, but I, I like it. I've always loved being on planes and stuff. Perfect. Yeah, that's all I got. So, L, let's hit it, hit it with the no yeah, car, yellow car, ahead. red car. Let's go ahead and jump into no car, yellow car, red car. So this is a rapid fire segment of the show where okay. I'll read off some news headlines. It can be pop culture, business, sports, soccer, whatever, but we'll give our opinion on those headlines using the soccer card system. So. No card is, you know, I'm cool with it. I agree with it. Um, yellow card is I can go either way. And red card is I disagree or I'm not cool with it. And okay. you give a little explanation of why you gave it that card. 
Um, okay. So we have two this week. Um, they're both soccer related, so it's easy. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm always trying to add another one. All right, but yeah. First up, so you got it. Yeah. Okay. First up, as MLS preps their third division league, USL is planning sweeping changes to its structure, including an internal pro rail between the pro leagues and a switch to the European calendar. So what card are we giving USL for these league changes? Yellow? I mean, it is what it is, right? They want to change things around. I mean, I think going to the European schedule feels right because it's weird having your schedule different than everybody else's. Then everything can kind of align. Like now, even if you think of like stuff like, and this is just, kind of annoys me just a little bit um the transfer window you know what i mean it's at different times so if you want to recruit players from you know the leagues over here it's a little bit more difficult because the transfer windows don't align so i would say that's i could go either way it is what it is you know if they want to change it it is what it is you know do you guys have a problem with it or uh, i'm going yeah yeah i'm going yellow card uh i'm going yellow card i think it came out of nowhere. I know they've been talking about pro rail, so I don't really have a problem with that as yeah. long as the, the ownership groups are ready to commit to whether they go up or down. And I don't think they'll do that though. Yeah. I don't, I can't see it. You buy in to this type, you know, this type of system to not have that, that is an option. I just don't, I don't know. But luckily, has it gone luck- through? Is it real? Like, is it really happening? They're proposing it. Luckily for USL owners, it's not as hefty as a uh, investment. I mean, it's still hefty. It's like we're talking numbers, but yeah, like you said, I can't imagine going from a championship to a, a League One and expecting the same sort of revenue or you know profit or whatever they whatever they use their metrics as from the European schedule calendar. I mean, you're going to have to deal with winter. So if they're ready to do that, I mean, I think games might get canceled for snowstorms and different things like that. Like trying to play in December in Pittsburgh, uh, good luck. But we'll see. I think another thing. I can't see them doing it. I can't. Not the the going up and going down. Another thing with with the calendar is in Europe, you're not competing with NFL, NBA, college football. The other things that are like deep in their schedules you know yeah. during this time so it'll be interesting to see how they kind of get around that you know yeah um uh, probably a lot of thursday games and stuff yeah <laughs> midweek tuesday games and stuff i don't know yeah we'll see all right so all right last one um the u.s women's national team lost 3-0 in the olympics um their first olympic game Players look tired and sluggish. Um, there was already controversy about the team that was selected to go to the Olympics. So what card are we giving Vlatko for his overall team selection for the Olympics? What? <laughs> like, okay. No, no card. No card. Like, what are they talking about? It's not, there's no controversy in the team that he chose because it's essentially the same team that Joe Ellis had bar like one or two players that really didn't play. So I'm having a hard time accepting that as a good answer or a good reason. Look, um, this team never does well after they win the world cup. 
the Olympics, right after the World Cup that they win, they never do well. I think there's just something about having to get back up to that level of intensity again that this team just can't do. It's just a normal thing. Um, I was really, really disappointed in the performance. I've never, I've actually never seen them play that bad. But what I do know about this team is that they will galvanize and come back. Maybe the preparations that Blodko did are different than Jill. You know, this is their first big tournament without Jill. You know, so maybe there's something that he's doing different that didn't give them what they needed in order to get up for the game. But to say it's because of the people that he chose is strange because it's it's the same team. It's literally the same team, you guys. So no, I would say no card. I would just say that um, he has a lot of work to do. And um, yeah, we'll see what happens. But it's not about the teams. It's not. Unless there's like a specific player that they're talking about, but it's it's the same team. Yeah. Um, to that point, I'm going to say yellow card. And, you know, basically because of what you said, like after World Cups, they don't do well. Um, so maybe you might need to shake up a little bit, like get some people that haven't been part of the squad um, to like have that hunger. And to be fair, you shouldn't have to like force hunger at an international tournament. But these, this team has played a lot. They know each other. Uh, so sometimes you need like some new blood to mix it up. And that's not yeah. to blame uh, the new coach because sometimes he wants that continuity. Um, but, you know, um, yeah, so I'll give you a yellow car. But Well, the one thing I can say is that the girls that were brought into camp, although talented, didn't actually do enough, in my opinion, to like dethrone the people that were are already in those spots you know i think yeah. maybe the right back spot was up for grabs i think kelly o'hara might might be she's at she's pretty much at the end of her career but i don't necessarily feel like mitch purse or or you know i think she was the main one i don't really think she she really did enough like you know what i mean so fresh blood i i can understand that but this team is so good that if you're not really coming out there swinging and that that roster is very small that i can't really say that he chose the wrong people, but maybe it is just, oh, I'm sorry. My dog is like barking, but yeah, I can't, I don't really know, but I hope they do better. I mean, I stayed up for that game. Very disappointing. Oh. <laughs> you know, sorry. I did. Yeah. And I was, but Sweden is also like our That's Achilles heel. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, people see, say like, okay, well, Brazil, they, they, they won like five nil or four nil or whatever, but they play, they played China. I think um, Great Britain played Chile. I mean, we couldn't have gotten a harder team to play right off the bat. Yeah. You know, so we'll see what happens. But I don't think anybody that came into camp did enough. Yeah. That's my only Like my dad says, if it's, if it's even, it's if, if it's even, you're leaving it up to chance. Sometimes you got to beat them out properly. So. Yeah, they really do, you know. But I think this is the end of the road for a lot of these girls, to be honest. This is like their last go around so we'll see those new faces come in you know i'm sorry my dog is losing no, you're no, good. no you're good i believe that's something i said on like an older a past show is this is probably that last hurrah um for a lot of them yeah, yeah. for sure carly lloyd megan rapino depending on alex if she wants to just kind of take a break you know um tobin heath there's kelly o'hara Sauerbrunn <laughs> like it's like the whole team you know so yeah. but the one thing I can say is that the new girls that are coming into the fold although I don't think they did enough to be a part of the squad what I'm excited about is that a lot of them are black 
you know, so that's a different look to this team that I haven't seen in the past. Like back in the day, it'd be like one, you know, like Brian Scurry, maybe one. The team, there's a lot more black girls involved in the team. And that's exciting for me because, again, I like to see people that look like me playing the sport that I love. So uh, that's that's our show for this week. Jessica, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. For people that want to connect with you, how can they do that? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at It's Jessinho. Um, I love banter. I love to have fun. Please don't take me serious on Twitter. I'm so unserious there. So you can follow me there. Or you can, you know, go onto YouTube, just type in She Knows Arsenal, and I will pop up. Um, those are the main places where you can find me. So, yeah. Uh, so we're going to have all that in the show notes. Make sure you check out Jessica. Uh, what a wonderful podcast. Um Subscribe, rate, and review. It helps us get discovered. Follow us on all the socials at Two Cents FC. Check out our merch at Two Cents It helps support the show so we continue to have wonderful guests like Jessica on. And tweet us your comments on the show and any topics you want me or Elle to discuss. Once again, Two Cents FC, the only show where you get unfiltered thoughts and opinions. I think we got an exclusive today. So thank you, Jessica. Uh, yeah. Appreciate that. <laughs> I talked about a lot of things that I haven't talked about before. So oh. yeah, awesome. Sure. Thank uh, you. That's what we're here for. <laughs> that's what we're here for. <laughs> facts. Until next week, y'all. Yeah. So. Oh, wait. That was-